following podcast contains strong language and explicit content. And if that offends you, then I suggest you switch this off. This is a Podcast Now production. I'm going to ask, right now I'm going to ask him, would you ever do role play with me? She's going to be like, are you recording? Love Bites, a podcast about all the things you were told you couldn't talk about. Like, I don't have a fact today. <laughs> well, I do, Fiona, and it relates to sex drive. When do you think a woman, a woman's sex drive is at its highest? Didn't we had this last week? No. <laughs> <laughs> do you not remember we had this last week, but then we had to stop recording because somebody needed the office in your work? Oh my god, I was like, I'm sure you've asked me this question before. And then I remembered, oh yeah, we tried to record in my office last week, but we couldn't get to coffee I was literally like, Laura, um, why are you asking me this again? <laughs> Sorry, I... Fiona, an off-the-cuff question that you've never heard before. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to besmirch you. I was literally like, oh my god, why is she asking me again? You're such a besmircher. You made such a dick out of me there. Sorry. Um, oh my, well, it's good because I actually can't remember what I said, but I'm going to say 25. Very close. Some might say 25 last week. I've heard these ages before. Actually, according to a study, between 27 and 45 years old, <laughs> These are the ages that women have more frequent and more intense sexual fantasies. And I think that's wonderful because we are still galloping into our sexual prime. I think that's because we, from the age of probably about 27, it start it starts to get good. And I also think you understand what you want. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because the kind of, Years before that, it's just kind of three thrusts and awkwardness. <laughs> Love a bit of dry riding. Um, <laughs> according to this study, they also had more sex and were more likely to have it sooner in a relationship. And I thought that was really interesting because I think as you get older, you let go of that fallacy that if we sleep together too early on, then he's going to lose respect for me. And you realize that that's a lie. And actually you can sleep with somebody really early on in a relationship and have a really healthy um, you know, have a really healthy relationship or you can hold out and also they might turn on turn on you and fuck you up. So having sex sooner in a relationship and more of it, I believe in my personal opinion, sex get, gets better with age because it comes with a lot more self-acceptance. I completely agree and confidence. Yeah, self-confidence that perhaps we lack in our early 20s. So if you're listening to this and you are between the ages of 27 and 45, rest assured that you are entering your sexual prime. I love that. I think just quickly on the note of the too early thing, Mm -hmm. I think that I do understand what people say when they say to wait, but I think that it shouldn't be a waiting game because they're worried that that person's going to lose respect I think Mm -hmm. that that's completely up to the individual whether you do it on the first or tenth I think that the waiting thing should be to form a informed opinion 
of the other person before you want to enter into anything rather than worrying about how they perceive you that's my um that is of knowledge great great piece of advice Fiona because mm. I think that you know me and was like oh I bloody said his name again I'm so sorry <laughs> we'll bleep it out don't worry <laughs> well I asked him to last week and he didn't <laughs> whatever anyway we I think we did on the like second this the second time Uh um and we absolutely hadn't had any kind of like any deep conversation or anything I hadn't found out that much about him and it was like completely up to the person and how much they liked you but then like I'm sure and and I think lots of people probably were like oh it's because you waited and it's like no it's just because you know it just happened it happened when it happened anyway moving on sorry (laughs) anyways 27 and 45 are the golden years for us girls if there's anything that you want us to talk about if there's anything that you agree with if there's anything that you wildly disagree with then please drop us a message on instagram and that is lovebitespodcast.com underscore and if you wouldn't mind to leave us a review if you enjoy this podcast as well that would be hugely appreciated Fiona Wishart how are you darling I'm very well I had um I'm at my parents house and they had celebrated yesterday um they had celebrated they celebrated yesterday their 40th wedding anniversary amazing congratulations and which is obviously quite an achievement um and yesterday in the car on the way back from the dinner I said to them I was like what's your advice and they gave me some like really great advice my mum who is a unique individual she her advice was that she was like you know she was like after a while you just you just close like turn a deaf ear to comments or irritating things or habits that the other person has that at the beginning will really annoy you but she was like after a while you get to know what they are and you do just become deaf to it she was like your dad can say something really annoying and I say something really annoying and we don't like get het up about it anymore we just continue because that's just who the other person is and I guess that's like accepting the other person so essentially removing that reactiveness yeah exactly you stop reacting and she also said something which I thought was really lovely she was like even when the times get tough she was like and when they have got tough she said that she thought to herself she was like the thing is every person on this planet has a personal problem has personal problems will have those annoying things will be a pain in the ass or whatever and she was just like there's no point she was like when you know you found someone that you love she was like there's no she was like someone else will come along and they'll be just as annoying and just as it will come up with the same issues so she was like I she was like when I have thought about these things she was like it's kind of like what's the point in leaving someone that you love and then my dad said um which I thought was really good advice she he was like in your life in your long life hopefully you're gonna come up against like personal 
like tough times like personally not in like your relationship but personally and he was Mm -hmm. like there's so much better to handle when you're with someone that you love and you're in a partnership and he was Mm -hmm. like you can get through these things when you have a partnership with someone um which I thought that that was really lovely and he was like basically his like the summary was don't throw in the towel just because the going gets tough because you need the other person to get through it which I thought that was lovely yeah I think for a lot of us now in a society of instant gratification we are so ready to throw the towel in at the first hurdle I know I've definitely been guilty of that in the past and I think our parents maybe have acquired over the years a lot more of a resolve a steely resolve to stay in relationships and work through things and I think that's really really admirable I think our parents probably stuck things that we wouldn't and put on a you know put on an outward projection of marriage just to kind of appease the neighbors and appease society at large but I do think ultimately that advice is really important because it does encourage people to work through the tough times it reassures us all that every relationship goes through its own shit and its own hurdles and its own peaks and troughs and we're all unified as a human race that relationships are not easy. Relationships require so much work, so much compromise, so much communication, but ultimately they can bring us so much joy as well. Completely. And like, I think over the years watching my parents and their relationship and like, they fight like cats and dogs. They fight about everything. But at the end, like always, no matter what, and my mum always says this, no matter how much they fight and they argue and they bicker, at the end of the day, they are a team and they have each other's backs no matter what. So like if I'm being a pain in the ass, even if my dad has just got annoyed with my mum for putting the remote control somewhere completely different to where it was yesterday, and I get annoyed at my mom, he will have her back above Love anything. That. Even if she he doesn't agree with her, she, he has her back. And it's the same, literally the same with everything through job, through like any difficulty, they are like, they are each other's support system. And I think that's such that I'm really lucky also that I've like grown up with that. And like, don't get me wrong, I've had my fair share of dysfunctional relationships, but now being in a relationship, I'm really trying to kind of like emulate what they're, um, what, I mean, don't get me wrong, like they've definitely not had all the right answers, but the kind of team and support is like absolutely key for me. I love that, Fiona. And I think it's something that we have reiterated that it's not really and me against you problem it's us against the problem and really you standing side by side with your partner if you choose to do so and really tackling problems head on and not attributing blame to that other person yeah but you know it's it's kind of an us against the problem which I think is a really healthy way to look at it do you know what I also think another thing is of like it's not it's an us problem not a me and you problem is that I think that a lot of people Um, attribute the level of importance of being a team to the length of the relationship because I know that like you know if something had if you'd started going out with someone and it's only been a few weeks and you know 
something happens with their job or like something happens whatever and but you're like in a relationship I think that a lot of people would expect the other person that it hasn't happened to to not have it as an us problem and have it as oh it's their problem because we haven't been together that long we don't know each other but I actually think that it's completely up to the individual relationship to decide whether they want to be there and support the person and be there for that other person and and make it their their you know be the support and have it as an us problem so I think that the longevity of the relationship doesn't actually matter in Mm -hmm. terms of Absolutely. I mean, you can find two the individual. You can find two wonderfully self-aware people who are together a matter of weeks or months that can communicate better than people that have been together for yeah. twenty years. One hundred percent. So yeah, I love that. And congratulations to your parents, Fiona. Look at you growing up in an unbroken home. Sure, <laughs> it's also very rare, isn't it? I mean, like the, I mean, I, I I have a lot of friends that our parents are together, but the majority of them aren't. Mm-hmm. I mean, my parents aren't together, um, but my they were together for the guts of 20 years. And I've now realized how much I actually learned from my parents, how much I observed. Um, my mom would be great. My mom is an angel anyways, but she is so good at giving advice. And she is so open about maybe, you know, resentments in her marriage with my father and she tells me just enough because there's certain things I really don't want to know about my parents relationships I I don't really ever want to dive that deep into it maybe it makes me quite uncomfortable or triggered but she is so good at sharing her nuggets of relationship advice and things that I maybe don't want to emulate in my relationship going forward and I think one of those things that she touched upon is that issue of resentment in a relationship whereby you keep your mouth shut you keep doing the thing that makes you more and more resentful and then you get to the point where you just can't even deal with that person and that person has maybe lost you know, an attraction element or a passion element because the resentment has got to such a point that actually it's fractured beyond all repair. And that's something I do try to bear in mind about trying to get things off my chest as quick as possible and having a conversation about what the real issue is as opposed to that top line screaming and arguing that we fall into and actually get to the root cause of the problem, which is quite often buried beneath all the kind of the relationship premises. And actually, you just need to expose the thing that is really, really pricking you, which is often feeling unseen, unheard, inadequate, lonely, bereft, whatever that may be. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that resentment people who carry a lot of resentment or feel that they're feeling resentment if they actually dug a little deeper it's not the reasons why they're feeling resentment like oh I can't go on this holiday because this person's got a new job and I feel resentment but it's like actually why are you feeling resentment is much it probably runs much deeper it's because you're like you don't feel that your number one priority you don't feel that your needs are being met in other ways so you're taking out on this like there are so many reasons and I think that that's why therapy is so important to understand what triggers you 
what doesn't trigger you the thing the thing is quite often the tip of the iceberg and in relation to our podcast that we did last week I'm not going to stay on it for long but I am just going to fill people in on the poll that we did because it was our most engaged with poll Fiona so I'll just remind you and our listeners that the woman sent a letter in to say that she was planning a wedding after being with somebody for I think seven years and she just wasn't feeling like she was in love and she was feeling quite afraid and fearful and just didn't really know what to do and we had so so we had hundreds of people write into the Instagram and basically give advice to her to kind of cut a long story short it is you really deserve to feel in love with somebody uh somebody made a great point um and i'm gonna fuck this up but something like the grass is greener where you water it so basically as you know alluding to the fact that the grass is greener where you actually cultivate and nourish your relationship because a relationship is something that needs to be nurtured and watered otherwise it does go to shit but in terms of the pole 85% of people said that they have fallen out of love. I know that I have. And 50% of those people on our poll attributed to the falling out of love to little things. 30% attributed to a lack of sexual attraction or a spark. 50% of people think that you can reignite the spark that I think is a great indicator that if you are feeling like the spark is waning or you're or you're falling out of love things can absolutely be done to reignite that spark so I think that's really hopeful 44% of people said that no they did not believe that 41% of people said that you can live a happy and fulfilled life with someone that you're not necessarily in love with but you are safe with and secure and all of those pragmatic things. And 59% of people said, in fact, no, it is not happy to live out a happy life with somebody that you are not in love with. I have definitely had both. I've had the buildup of little things. Mm -hmm. I've also had the circumstantial thing. The big thing. The big thing which and um I think that the I think honestly the one that was worse was the build-up of little things of course because you don't like you don't like I think the big thing like when you know me and my ex Alex broke up the big thing was we were it was COVID it Mm -hmm. couldn't have been the biggest thing and we didn't want to live in the same country done like that's a big old thing whereas like my first relationship Ollie like we literally was like a build-up of little little things and it was like years of feeling this feeling of like irritation and like I like I don't know like just constant irritation and then this weight like alleviated me when we broke up and it was just like a weight off my shoulders I didn't realize I was carrying and that was way worse absolutely and I I'm the same as you I have definitely fallen out of love and that um comment that that listener submitted about the the green grass being because you've watered it I have now realized that I have let things slide and I have looked at my relationship as an evolved entity but actually it's something that evolves day by day as we evolve by people and I probably didn't put the work in 
And as a result, our relation, as a result, I fell out of love with that person. And I'm sure I was not easy to be with, by the way, because I definitely look back retrospectively and think I was to blame for a lot of that fallout. So I just think that there's a lot of food for thought there. Um, There's a lot of, I think, really positive, you know, takeaways that we can all derive from that poll that if you're feeling that it's weighing and you can get it back. And ultimately, I believe that this is all personal preference. I truly believe that people can live very happy and fulfilled lives with a partner that they are not necessarily in love with because the stability and the safety and the teamwork and the kinship and the companionship far exceeds the sex and the passion and each to their own, basically, and Everybody just has to do what is right for them. Also, a lot of people encouraging that girl to be brave and take action and step into the unknown and give herself the chance to firstly reconnect with her own sexual identity and her own sexual desires, but also to potentially meet somebody that really sparks a fire beneath her. Yeah, I think that's... uh... I think that's really great advice. It's, it's terrifying. It's one of the most terrifying things ever. I know. Well, we've all been, we've been there, Fiona. Exactly. The step oh out God. into that abyss is the most, per, pe, it's probably the, been the most petrifying thing I've ever done in my life. I'm going to move on to the letter, Fee. So, hi, Lauren Fee. I felt compelled to message you after listening to the last podcast where the girl was brave enough to admit that she wasn't feeling in love with her partner despite planning a wedding. This hit hard and I resonated with her so much. I'm in a relationship, I'm in a happy relationship in that my husband is kind, caring, an amazing dad. I feel safe with him, but I'm not living my best sex life as the young ones would say. The truth is I have never really enjoyed sex. I have gone through the motions, so to speak. I reach orgasm on occasion, but I never get lost in the moment and I never let myself go. Maybe I don't allow myself to. I'm not sure what I'm expecting from you girls. I mean, what advice can you really give here? I maybe just want that girl and other girls listening to know that you're not alone and feeling so confused. Um, I'm not surprised that we got a letter like that because we got so many submissions in relation to that previous listener's letter. I think what this lady is focusing on, Fiona, is essentially turning herself on and allowing her mind to be truly set free during sex. That's what I'm reading into that. What do you think? Yeah, completely. And it's also as women, we are, it's one of our, we're we're terrible for it because we can think about so many different things at the same time for a start that our brains are just full and also for us it's more than just a a physical thing to get us there it has to be we have to feel secure 100% we have to feel 
uh, wanted, loved, desired, all these things. We also have to feel good about ourselves individually. Like if, I think for, for men, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not like a scientist or anything, but from the like knowledge that I do have, a lot of it is like like mostly a physical thing. But, you know, like there are some guys that don't aren't able to because of like <sighs> circumstantial factors, like, you know, very similar to women but I don't think as heightened so I think I know you've listened to it there's a podcast with sex with Emily Emily Morse on her podcast and Esther Perel where Esther Perel talks about this how to turn yourself on thing and she said that a lot of the reasons for that is actually not sexual at all it's actually other things like she talks about and you can say this to yourself I it's almost like I feel good when I've gone to the gym that week and I'm feeling good about myself therefore that leads me to feel turned on or like it's when um, I'm feeling happy and insecure in my relationship or it's when I'm feeling empowered at work and I'm feeling powerful and you know all these things and I think that I think for this girl I think she maybe needs to look at the the things that are in her life making her feel good and maybe making those small change and also looking at what's not making her feel so good and making those small changes. Is it because she doesn't feel confident in her body, in her own self? And then how can she take the steps to feeling more confident? Mm-hmm. I reckon majority of people, it's a self-confidence, body confidence Absolutely. thing for women. 100%. We are constantly shaming our own bodies. No one else is shaming them, by the way, just us. Mm-hmm. And I think the the best thing that this woman can do is listen to that podcast. We will link it in the show notes. So they are two amazing, liberating, phenomenal women. So Dr. Emily and Esther Perel, and they have come together on Dr. Emily's podcast. And it is so insightful and so informative and so liberating and open and free. What I love about her, Fiona, is, sorry, Esther Perel, is that she isn't teaching women to have sex And to do the act. So essentially sex isn't the noun. It's an action and an ongoing experience because any woman can have sex because we have been having sex for years and years and years. Our grandmothers were pumping out 10 children. It was very much sex and marriage was for procreation and it was the duty. But now we've gone from like procreation to recreation. And I feel like our our minds haven't really had the chance to catch up with that. And I completely agree with you about the self-confidence issue, about whether that's relating to your own self-esteem in your life and what's going on or whether that's your body. But really using your words with your partner and being very honest about what you like, because I'm sure that that lady has fantasies and there are things that that woman would like to do or have her husband do to her. But over the years, she's got herself into a routine and a habit whereby she just goes through the motions, perhaps you know, she's all about her husband's pleasure and she's very, she's very much put her, her own pleasure on the back burner. 
And it's maybe time for her to step into that confidence and step into that really safe space where she can have a conversation with her partner about what she wants, what turns her on. And by the way, being turned on is not limited to the bedroom. It can be you touching me in the kitchen or you're, you putting your arms around me while I'm washing the dishes or you telling me how nice I look or smell or telling me how wonderful it is to see me raise the kids in such a way. So eroticism isn't confined to the bedroom. It starts off basically throughout the day. And so much of it is down to a woman feeling like she deserves to feel good. A woman feeling like that she is deserving of pleasure. You know, does that woman feel like she can ask for what she truly wants can, does she feel like she can take the time that she's not being rushed to orgasm? Because of course, so much of sex is about the journey as opposed to the orgasm. But yet we put so much pressure on reaching orgasm when there's so much other good stuff that can happen before then, even if it d- does happen at all. I think that you make a really good point about does she feel safe asking? Mm-hmm. Because I think that with so many years of women being in a society, like a patriarchal society, that we feel, even now it's 2022, that if we ask for something that is whatever it is, we're gonna be seen as less than or a slut or, you know, overly you know promiscuous or whatever but actually it's just the preference of the person and we have to Mm -hmm. almost check pride at the door because the people that do think that one they need to step into the modern world and Mm -hmm. two they are you and I think it's because over you know centuries and centuries of the only place that a woman can be overly sexual and be good at it good quote-unquote good is because you know they were in the brothels they were Mm -hmm. they were sex workers whereas Mm -hmm. the woman it was seen as like a duty which was procreation not recreation so Mm -hmm. you know it's no wonder that we feel this because it's years and years and years of not of the average woman not being able to and being allowed to express themselves in a certain way because it was kept to men's pleasure um which they paid for so I think that it's a weird one to think about because it's like you have to think to yourself but why am I feeling embarrassed why and it's because it's just years of that's how it was so I think that it's just I I find it super fascinating to be honest with you like the reasons why we behave in certain ways you know what Fiona this isn't confined to this woman this is I'm recognizing things that she basically she's poked in me and that would be for example, I would rush through and just to get it over and done with, because I didn't want him to feel like he wasn't doing it for me. So instead of using my words and being like, listen, I'm not really into that. Can you do this? Can you use your hand like that? Can we switch it up? I would rather suspend my own pleasure than actually risk rocking the boat with his sexual ego and like we consider ourselves modern women and yet I find myself guilty of that I don't know if you have but I'm going to put my hand up and say I have faked an orgasm just to make like 
not necessarily the man feel better, but I just didn't want to confront the situation of him not doing it for me. And that's why when I got to a certain stage in life, if it wasn't happening for me and he wasn't hitting the spot, the spot, so to speak, I would just reach down there and do it myself and like physically showed him what needs done. And for the absolute most part, men are turned on by that. They see it as a sign of huge self-confidence and self-assurity. And actually it does wonders for the sexual situation. So listen, some really practical tips for this lady. Firstly, you gotta listen to that. You gotta listen to that podcast. So we have got um, we're gonna link it in the show notes. Dr. Emily Esther Perel, two legendary women. Masturbation, Fiona. Even if you don't feel like it, it can make a world of difference. Best thing ever. And I think some women are maybe slightly turned off by masturbation because they picture like milfs and big breasted lesbians rolling around in a bath of Vaseline and yes if that's what you're into you can find those things but there are some beautifully crafted 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 femme friendly foreplay focused porn made by women and for women and it's soft and it's sensual and it's beautiful Everything is not like anal butt plugs and squirting. But again, if that's what you're into, we're not shaming. But there's something out there for everybody. And how do you feel, Fiona, about reading erotic literature? I mean, honestly, it's really not for me. I mean, I have, you know, don't get me wrong, like I've I've read... Like Fifty Shades of Grey and stuff. But like... And I've, you know, I've read a few bodice rippers in my time. Like I, I love a Philippa Gregory book, but I wouldn't, I read it just because I find it really enjoyable and interesting. And I love the writing rather than it being specifically to do something for me. Mm-hmm. It's not for me, well, but I can totally see where, I don't completely see where people get, like I completely get it. I, I think a lot of women are a lot more um, attuned to that sort of thing because they can picture the scene in their own mind as opposed to having it played out online. So there are hundreds, if not thousands, of did fantastic I, erotic books. For, I, and, and, and Go ahead. No, I, I'm just going to tell you something funny. Did I ever tell you about the guy that wrote me the erotic novel? Did you not read that out? Did you not read out an excerpt of that from you from the did I, did I not I must I'm sure I did I'm sure I but for those of you that I can't I can't remember what episode it is I don't think I felt I can't I it would I don't know if I read it out but definitely I I um it was it was literally like a hundred years ago I mean I really met some freaks on tinder oh well, um, I think that's an absolutely lovely thing to do I would love a few titillating lines to get me yeah but like right. we haven't yeah but we haven't met yet that's the that oh was fuck the, okay you know, fair enough and like okay. he was also quite a lot older than me this is when I was like 23 Tw- yeah I'm 24 and he was 38 at the time so quite, a, quite yeah. a big age gap and then he he said um he was talking about like hobbies or something and he was like oh I like writing writing novels and I was like erotic novels I was like oh that's cool and like um I think I think I just start I think I just 
broken up with the writer who what who is this guy that I dated and he actually was like a proper novelist um and uh funny that my name is in his books but anyway <laughs> then I met this guy and then he sent he basically then sent me like an he wrote this like extract for me and it was literally like honestly it was like so freaky it was it was kind of creepy it was like was it hardcore and sexy or just a bit weird it wasn't like it wasn't like a storyline it was like basically it was like a script oh right (sighs) honestly it was a lot it was a lot to take in and then that was the guy that basically I went um I went on the date with him in and I remember being like unsure so I basically went in Greenwich this is in London um because I could walk there and when he got out the car he just looked so odd like honestly like no one in that restaurant would have known that me and him were on a date they would have thought that he was like my dad or like my uncle or something and then he left after like 20 minutes because he was like sorry I can't do this and got up and left (laughs) So were you turned on in any way, no. shape or form? Okay. Literally, I was like, he sent it to me and I was like, oh my God, I picked up this freak. <laughs> Sorry, not to, not to shame, not to shame anyone for all those But when you don't there, necessarily don't have a connection or attraction to somebody, that's just creepy. And yeah, no. Also, like, it was so bold of him, but I mean, I still went, but, you know, when you just like, because we'd already kind of arranged it and he'd like mm-hmm. sent it the night before and I was just like, oh. Um, anyway, he was pretty gross. Anyway. Well, let me continue with a couple more and then yeah. we will draw this to a close. Speaking of draw, seamlessly, taking a bath. Oh, the best thing ever. So I'll be honest, I never really feel that sexy in a bath because I think I lie in the bath with like a self-help book or something quite unsexy. Whereas if I drew a bath, and there was lots of bubbles and soft lighting and candles and maybe a text of erotic prose or something like that. I could be quite turned on by a bath, like some essential oils, something a bit luby and just like physically caress your body. And Oh, just... I'm here. I'm, I'm so here for that. I'm definitely here down for that. Yeah, shower head, like let's yeah. put that to good use. Yeah. You know, we all know what that's really for. And there is a craze that's wafting around at the minute, Fiona, and it's called taking a conscious shower. Right. So Esther Prell mentions it, and it's getting into the shower for at least a few minutes before you start washing yourself and washing your hair and shaving your legs and all that business but it's actually feeling the water on your body and feeling the the touch of the water and how it trickles down and feeling and appreciating where the water makes you feel good and apparently conscious showers are very good for increasing libido last but not least Fiona how do you feel about a bit of role play I get it, but I just don't think that me and my boyfriend could keep a straight face doing it. Yeah, I, I agree with you slightly, but we have mutual mutual connections and friends who love a bit of role play and have actually gone into detail about what they talk <laughs> about. And it's so fun and they really, really enjoy it. And it's not funny haha to them it's actually really erotic and such a turn on so I had a friend in Dubai and her and her husband 
partook in a regular role play and she was married they, they were both married and they had kids and a lot of responsibility and they ran a business and all that sort of thing so what they would do is once a month she would go to a bar and she would sit at the bar as a prostitute uh-huh and he would come into the bar as a guy looking to hook up. Maybe he was on a business trip. Sometimes he had a wife. Sometimes he didn't. Sometimes, you know, what else did she tell me? So yeah, basically it, it went through the range um, of like kind of smut levels, but ultimately they were two strangers and each kind of developed a persona each time. And that worked really, really well for them. And the role play doesn't just, it's not limited to you and your partner. Like, have you ever had a, in fact, I don't even need to ask if you have, because of course you have. We all have had these role plays in our own heads about certain oh, sexual scenarios. 100%. Yeah, like a sexy daydream, right? Yeah. You know, this lady can actually kick back when the kids are away out of the house. Maybe her husband's out. Maybe she's in the bath having her sexy lubed up bath and just sit and think and ruminate about something that makes you feel so sexy. Think about that situation, how it would happen, what he would look like, what it would feel like he or she, because, you know, in a role play, the mind can wander off to all those beautifully promiscuous places. And I guarantee that will unlock so much of that woman's horniness. Completely agree. I personally don't think I could do it. I just think if I said, do you want to play a detective and I'll play your, like... Your detainee. Like, or you know, in um, you know, Sex in the City, where like Samantha and Smith when they first meet do role play, and she's like, um, she's like, but how am I gonna pay all these tax bills? You might have to take the shirt off my back, and then she's like, take the shirt off my back. <laughs> do you know what? I think each to their own. I've probably been through a, uh, maybe one or two relationships where there's been a little bit of role play actually um and it wasn't actually that cr- now I'm cringing thinking about it now but I think when you're in the moment and you feel so turned on you can just do and say like you know what I'm gonna ask right now I'm gonna ask him would you ever do role play with me he's gonna be like are you recording <laughs> anyways listen we hope that has helped our listener and again we just wanted people people to feel connected with the love bites community and reassuring this woman that everybody goes through phases where we don't necessarily feel that great on our own bodies and in our own We don't feel tremendously sexually fulfilled all of the time. And it really is our responsibility to take ownership of that and make it work. 
sorry I'm just messaging he's just gone what are you thinking and I've said like would you ever want me to print I'm gonna say pretend to be a hooker and you come and find me see I think that's quite manageable it's for me that's quite yeah that's like I also think maybe if the 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 robbery thing maybe it has to be like so far out of your like lives that it like really is not real because I think that like sorry to like bring up Gossip Girl but I think there's a scene in Gossip Girl where like Blair and Chuck like she like he will meet a girl in a bar and then at the last moment she'll come and like find him Uh and they'll have an argument and he, <laughs> he's not understanding what I'm saying. I said, oh no, me being a hooker. You Sorry, hooker is a terrible, a terrible word. Sorry, I'm not going to sex worker. Um, anyway. let us know. And if our listeners are listening to this and they're screaming at us about one of their favorite sexual fantasies, like honestly, please tell us. We would love to. Oh my know. god, I would love it. Like, tell us about your role plays. You know, who are you? What does your partner do? How does it happen? Does it happen in or out of the house? Do you keep up the character the whole time? Like please give us some inspiration maybe what we need Fiona is we are quite unimaginative and actually we just need to have this side of us unleashed and darling listener we would love your help with that please please drop us a dm on instagram love bites podcast underscore I would love to know what turns people on and they were me too I I do I want to know he's actually just said yeah I think it could be quite hot so stay tuned Happy days. All right. Well, listen, Fiona, moving on to our favorite segment. El Couture recommends. So a huge shout out to our amazing sponsor, El Couture, the female founded, female run athleisure wear brand who create the most beautiful pieces, especially the elemental lounge collection that is perfect for travel. Fiona, do you see what I'm currently wearing? Actually, how gorgeous is this elevated yeah, it's set. honestly the comfiest thing i own I'm like, oh my god no 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 look look at my wearing. oh you've got yours on too oh fiona your boobs look banging in that i am obsessed with this set so i have on this beautiful baby blue color and i wore it at the weekend and everybody asked where i got it it is so flattering i love the little ruche detail at the back of the butt crack essentially and it just really lifts up your peachy butt i'm obsessed with this set i'm going to order it in every other color this particular set is elevate seamless and it comes in four colors if you live in dubai you can avail of the four hour delivery or you can take a visit to their beautiful store located in alwasal if you are living outside of Dubai, like me, so in the UK, Ireland, Australia, wherever, they can deliver to you. It only takes a few days and they cover all taxes and shipping charges. This is huge, Fiona, because at the minute, the taxes and the charges in the UK and Ireland are shocking. So they cover it. We're all good. Don't forget to use your exclusive Love Bites discount code, and that code is Love Bites Twenty. We love to see how you were your Elkature, so please do tag us both on social media. See, my darling, what are you reading, consuming, watching at the minute that our listeners need to know about? 
Oh, I've got some great recommendation. I'm so excited to record this. So I want to talk about it. Sorry, I've got I've got two. So I'll go mm-hmm. with the first one. So on the plane to the UK, I watched um, scenes from a marriage with Jessica Ta- Jessica Chastain and Oscar Isaacs. Have you heard of it? No. Oh, it was honestly so interesting. I watched it purposefully for this <laughs> Love Bites um, episode. So. Scenes of a Marriage is basically a mini-series. Um, Jessica Chastain and Oscar Isaacs, who are actually the producers of it, are a married couple. Mm-hmm. And each episode is a different, like, scene from their marriage. So, like, it starts off... It basically showcases a regular marriage between two people. Um, and it slowly kind of... Ha- it shows the kind of trials and tribulations of a marriage. And the way that the script is written is a very, like almost innocuous and almost like it's so it's like Stanislavski like it's like ultimate Stanislavski it's so realistic because everything's done like almost in real time okay so a whole episode which is like almost an hour could be basically one scene of dialogue and script which is completely Mm -hmm. realistic if someone's like having an argument so it basically showcases these two people the woman Jessica Chastain's character she's like a high-flying works in tech her husband is a professor so she's the primary breadwinner and it starts off really interesting with them talking you think it's a therapist's office but it's not and it's basically them talking to this person they met in the school playground who's basically writing a thesis on gender um, gender roles in the household which they made a really interesting point about where now in the modern age when the woman and I agree actually with this when the woman is the primary breadwinner or earns more or basically yeah is the primary breadwinner mm-hmm. the marriage lasts the statistics are that the marriage and relationship is likely to last longer oh wow because The woman's needs are more likely to be met because obviously now gender roles are flipped, but also because the woman, like to some extent, has to in a like complete, I'm just talking like nuclear family, she will have to take the maternity leave. She will have to do some sort of like, you know, maternal stuff, like because of like breastfeeding, if that's what you choose to do. And like, you know, you have as a mother, you do connect with your child and blah, blah, blah. Whereas like, and that this, I mean, like it might not be true. It might have just been like fantasized for the for the film. But like they talk about that, and then it goes into basically her having an affair because he's not giving her what she wants, you know, in other ways. And then they basically go through this kind of the motions. I, to be fair, I didn't watch all of it because it's not a binge. It's not a binge worthy thing because mm-hmm. it's quite harrowing and long, and because they it's it's really naturalistic and not a lot happens within the episodes so you're not like totally gripped but it is the dialogue is incredible and it's so fascinating to watch so really do watch it and tell me what you guys think and especially if you are married 
because I'd be I think that's really helpful Fiona because it seems to me that it's a compelling and insightful watch not necessarily binge worthy like you say and I think some of us need to be reminded of the complexity of relationships the fact mm. that we're kind of all in it together it's not easy it requires work and if you think that you're going through something in your marriage and you think you're the only one rest assured there are thousands if not millions of people around the world that are going through the same thing so I think that's awesome um so yeah definitely fantastic watch also oscar isaacs is like the sexiest dad ever in it um my second recommendation is an interesting one that i've just discovered because i just discovered tiktok and i've basically just been constantly on tiktok for like two days um it's actually, I'm listening to it on Audible. It's a book called French Chic by Sophie Claire. And it's a French woman's guide to dressing elegantly and living an effortlessly chic life. So I don't know about you, but I'm basically obsessed with French girl fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, Why is this related to TikTok, by the way? Oh, sorry. I saw it on TikTok because I was in a hole of French uh, makeup tutorials <laughs> and, okay. and I basically came across it because it talks, um, this girl saying, was saying she was reading it um, and it basically goes through kind of like a step-by-step guide on how to basically be French chic. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know about you, but I am completely obsessed with it because I'm obsessed one with French girl fashion because it's very like effort, effortless girl, effortlessly undone. I'm not a like massive like I'm not a massive jewelry wearer I'm not like you know a nails person and I always like look in awe at like French girl I follow so many French fashion influences and the way that they dress is so understated it's not a lot of color so this book is so interesting because it basically goes through all the kind of I don't know I guess like tips and like what the way they dress and they go through like a ca- how to build a capsule wardrobe with like five pieces and it's really good so definitely definitely um listen to it if you are looking at a like I don't know what's the word I feel like French women just look brilliant a lot of the time because they're just naturally thin I don't know if that's a oh okay so yeah so interest interesting they talk about how they get to that point because they talk about things like they basically eat in moderation they don't stuff themselves and Mm -hmm. they savor their food rather than gobbling it which is what I do a lot of the time and they also eat mostly simple fresh food they don't like even though it's cream they tend to like yeah they'll eat heavy cream but they're not eating a lot of it so you're constantly satisfied and you're not craving um and okay so i'm going to quickly move on to my recommendation yeah, tell me i am obsessed i cannot tell you how i haven't been this obsessed with a show on netflix like in a long time tell have me. you watched how to change your mind the new science of psychedelics <gasps> no but I keep coming across it and I really oh, want to Fiona it honestly it is such a freaking eye-opener right psychedelics this is 
helmed like by LSD. It. All right. Yeah. So there's a range of psychedelics. So we think of, we think of psychedelics like a, a guy in a club with a e-tab or like a little sticker of ecstasy on his tongue or no, sorry, a, a sticker of acid or LSD, like just going bananas. But that's obviously just one very small part of psychedelics. And this is helmed by a guy called Michael Pollan, who's a an incredible scientist and thinker and a very logical thinker. He comes at this from a very scientific point of view. And it goes into the origins of psychedelics. And by psychedelics, they mean like the, this, this, the process of mind manifestation and how the likes of MDMA in its purest form, not the MDMA that maybe we were exposed to in clubs where you take it and your, your jaw is like literally falling off its face. And it's like in one room, then your actual face and you're chewing and you're like, not that I've ever taken MDMA, but I have heard, (laughs) um, you know, the likes of, um, we, we have just been assaulted by you know, media images of drugs just being psychedelics, just being horrendous, the war on drugs and all this sort of thing. Actually, MDMA in its purest form, psilocybin, i.e. magic mushrooms, um, LSD, different things from like the reinforced plant medicines that I actually haven't, um, I haven't really gone there yet on it because I'm into, I'm only into three or four episodes, but the likes of ayahuasca, uh, ayahuasca and those sort of things there's like a, a, a plethora but basically it talks about how these psychedelics can absolutely change your life and change your outlook on life that they, they can help with depression they can help with OCD they can help us break free, free from the rigidity of our mind and it's that rigidity that sometimes keeps us hostage when it comes to a lot of mental health issues um obviously it's not for everybody psychedelics would not be re- recommended for anybody with really serious mental health issues like schizophrenia or kind of extreme bipolar or anything it just has made me look at it all so differently and something that i've taken away from this fee is obviously the big pharmaceutical companies and i'm not getting into these bloody arguments and conspiracy theories because i'm actually really not a conspiracy theorist at all i love ibuprofen and i love constant when i have my period like i'm all about that life you know give it to me but pharmaceuticals make money through us taking medication on a daily basis And why they are so threatened by psychedelics is that you need to take something only once, twice, three times in your whole life. And it can completely transform our minds, therefore freeing us from the need to take the medication that we do. So like you go to a doctor and they throw an antidepressant at you and don't actually try to get to the root cause of the problem. And one of the reasons that they believe that the war on drugs was launched in America was because in the 60s, when people got into psychedelics, the young people were like all about the love. And that I don't want to like demean it like these hippies, like peace, love, like fuck war and like drop out and all that sort of thing. But they were genuinely overcome by love and didn't want to go to war. And what that really hindered was the Vietnam War effort. 
So people weren't, 18, young 18 year old lads weren't enrolling in a war to go and get shot on the front line because they were like, there's more to life and there's more to love and there's more to these things. So that's why that they did launch that huge war on drugs. Highly encourage you to watch it. It's, and I, you don't need to align with what they're saying, but I do think that we all should have our eyes opened a little bit to alternative therapies, whether that's a psychedelic or a plant medicine or alternative therapies, breathing techniques, Reiki, healing circles, therapy, you name it. The guy is Michael Pollan. How to Change Your Mind, The New Science of Psychedelics on Netflix. There's also a book that I haven't read, but I will be reading it. I cannot tell you how obsessed I am with this series. I would love you to watch it, Fiona, because I would love you and I to talk about this. Oh, I'm going to, after this, because um, I'm technically on holiday, even though I was working today, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to go make myself a drink of um, elderflower cordial. <laughs> and then the next time we meet, we'll just go and like take loads of MDMA and oh, LSD. Yeah, Let's do it. Magic <laughs> mushrooms. Anyways, tell me, lastly, what have you got? So our recommendation to end this podcast from Elkachor is State of Affairs by Esther Perel. Have you read it? I haven't, but after listening to that podcast with um, Esther and Emily I have ordered it so it should be here in a, yeah a couple yeah, of days and Lisa Lisa McFarland the relationship coach highly recommends state of affairs as well have you read it so I've not read it but I know the kind of premise behind it which is obviously she talks about the kind of ins and outs of like this is super making it super not clever but she talks about the ins and outs of affairs and I think that it's something that she kind of touches upon um a lot is the kind of reasoning behind affairs and being unfaithful and there are so many circumstantial factors and so many kind of deeper factors that we have to look at from either the person that's doing it or the person that is having it done to and I think that it's not I've said this so many times like people are not intrinsically evil and there are very rare cases where that happens there's always a reason usually lack of communication or feeling disconnected or having so not having their needs met i think i also like i think it kind of weaves into this as well but i think ages ago i think it might be in season one i talked about a podcast i listened to in the guardian it was like why powerful men cheat and a lot of the time it's because they feel that when they get home their power is diluted because there are so many kind of like basic things that you have to do at home feed the kids wash the kids you know take the bins out and they're feeling not as powerful and that's why they go to their subordinates to have affairs because that's how they're trying to you know regain power anyway there's so many they're basically it talks about the kind of intricacies of intricacies of affairs um and i think that i think it's one of the i think it's a great book for someone that one i think it's a great book for us to all read but i also think it's maybe for someone that has had an either been unfaithful or had um an infidelity happen to them yeah i think what what she tries to do and again what i'm assert um ascertaining from the podcast she doesn't want people to demonize the person that has the affair because quite often that's what we all do when i keep cheating and oh my god but actually there's quite often so much to be learned from actually establishing why 
that happened and mm. quite often that's down to feelings of loneliness in the relationship inadequacy not being touched not being intimacy my god i'm so it's so weird that i said not being touched and intimacy and my dad's literally in the next door <laughs> on that note fiona would you mind if we wrap this up because i'm it's pretty fun. sure my dad's got a glass to the door because <laughs> i told him he's not allowed to listen to the podcast but i'm pretty sure he's outside listening to what the hell i'm saying and if he finds out that i've been talking about psychedelics on a podcast he will go fucking mental I love that. Yes, of course. Well, thank you so much, Laura. I love you, Fiona Wishart. See you later. See you later.